Hi everyone, Amanda here, and this is Planned, Prepped, and Productive, the podcast where I'm helping you put real food on the table without stress and overwhelm. This is episode 25, Realistic Nutrition Tips with Megan Osler. Hi everyone, I just want to welcome my guest. Uh, I have Megan Osler here, who has an Instagram over at Megan Jane's Plate, and she is a dietitian at iFit Nutrition, and she's here today to just talk about some gentle nutrition tips for all of you moms out there who want to up-level your health, but also want to keep your sanity and mindset safe and intact. So Megan, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Can you just tell me a little bit more? I gave a quick bio there, but tell me a little bit more about who you are and what exactly your mission with food is. Uh, Yeah. So um, I think probably most important to your users just because of shared values. I'm a mom um, and I have three little girls. So I have a four-year-old, a two-year-old and a six-month-old. And so I get the feeding struggles daily at my house too. Um, I, like you said, I'm a dietitian and I work at iFit um, and that's a part of Icon Health and Fitness here in the Valley. Um, And my husband and I went to school at Utah State University. Um, I obviously studied dietetics there. And then we fell in love with Cache Valley and stuck around and don't really have any intention of leaving anytime soon. Um, we're obsessed with the mountains and we love to ski and rock climb and garden. Um, and I love food. I am a big believer um, that food can be used for more than just fuel. And so I love to garden and cook and can and especially like eat and create new things in the kitchen. Um, So whenever I'm talking to clients about their food, um, I'm a big believer in adding and not subtracting from the diet and um, that all foods can fit. Thank you. And I really love I this is something that I tell people all the time as well, that adding and not subtracting. It's so much healthier for your mindset to add good things than to focus on restricting and taking away. So I'm excited to get more into that and glad that we share that value. So moving forward, what are some of the biggest food issues, uh, particularly regarding mindset that you see in the clients and people that you work with? Um, Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I see kind of is the overarching problem is um, the fear of food. People are really afraid of food and that meaning that they're afraid that they're not doing it right. They're afraid that, shoot, am I supposed to be eating organic? It doesn't matter if it has GMOs. Um, What about fad dieting? Are carbs bad or any, you know, things like that. And they get so wound up that it actually starts to create anxiety and fear around eating, um, which is not necessary. (laughs) And so I think that's kind of the overarching thing. And then of course, there's also things like, um, I see people who are doing lots of fad dieting or over restricting yo-yo dieting and that kind of thing. Um, but I think it all stems back to kind of this fear that they're not doing it right. Yes, absolutely. And I, this really speaks to me because you mentioned, of course, that you have three little kids and uh, Megan and I actually went to school together. So we both graduated in the same class and, I learned all these things and then I had kids and suddenly I find myself falling into these same traps of this fear of food or wondering if I'm feeding my kids correctly, wondering if I'm feeding myself correctly, trying to lose that last five pounds or whatever. And even though I know the truth and the science, I still find myself just in this culture falling into those same traps. 
So something else that you talked about on Instagram specifically is you have talked a lot about demonizing foods. And that kind of goes back into this um, demonizing, obviously, is a scary word even, creating this culture that is fearful of food. So what foods and types of foods do you feel like get a bad rap that they don't really deserve? Um, the funny thing is, is that I feel like every food group at some point by somebody um, has gotten a bad rap. And it's like comical to me because what else are you supposed to eat? Like by the time you eliminate everything. Um, so I actually have talked a lot to some of my clients about they're actually afraid of vegetables even because they worry about things like, um, pesticides on, or, you know, whether or not it needs to be organic or what about nightshades? What about starchy vegetables? Um, and you know, I've heard that, you know, this nutrient's bad for this symptom and they get so caught up that I see, um, people afraid of vegetables, fruit has too much sugar. According to some people, um, dairy and meat are always kind of hot topics for a lot of people, but then, um, grains have been lately too, even whole grains. And so I feel like every food group at some point has gotten, um, a lot of overhyped, bad rap or bad news or, um, bad publicity and none of them really, uh, deserve it. Yeah. So (laughs) all of the food groups are perfectly healthy as long as you don't have a reason to restrict them, um, like an allergy or a sensitivity or something like that. Um, but there's, there's not really a good reason to restrict any food group in my, in my opinion, unless it's medically necessary. Yes, absolutely. And let's just talk for a second specifically about vegetables. None of us are eating enough vegetables, people. So let's not keep shaming the frozen, the canned, the white vegetables and just eat our veggies because (laughs) it's not happening. So I really like, let's just eat the veggies in the way that we can. Yeah, I actually was talking to somebody somebody about this recently because they were like, well, doesn't it need to be fresh to be healthy? And I was like, well, no, no, canned and frozen is just fine. And they're like, but doesn't it lose nutrients? And um, I just mentioned to them, well, yeah, like cooking and freezing can uh, degrade certain nutrients, but soda is just sitting on a shelf and yep. being transported. <laughs> and so I was like, for example, I was like vitamin C is a really easy nutrient that gets degraded really quickly just from time and air. And so I was just like, actually, your frozen strawberries have probably more vitamin C than your fresh strawberries, unless you've just barely picked those from your garden. And they were like, what? And you just saw this light bulb go on that they're like, frozen can be healthier. And I was like, yeah, like depending on the time of year and all of these things. But I was just like, you don't need to be worried about it. Like definitely. And all of those, those rules we're creating are just kind of paralyzing us further and making it even harder to answer that question of, what do I feed my family and taking away more and more options? So I love that. And that's a good, a good insight for my readers and listeners out there to know that there are times when frozen or canned might even be healthier. So thanks for that. So how, how do you feel like the culture we've created of demonizing foods affects moms in particular that are trying to feed their families? I think the biggest thing or the biggest problem that I see is that it leads to um, fear, like we mentioned, but just confusion. And I think it's paralyzing. Um, A lot of people will try really hard to do what they think is the best thing for their family. And they're spending way too much money. Their kids aren't eating the food. They're throwing food away. And then they just give up. And it's like, why even try? And I see this a lot. Um, even with my own siblings or things like that, that they'll try a really rigid, strict way of eating, um, for like a month. (laughs) 
and they'll quadruple their grocery bill and their kids will be unhappy and they'll be unhappy because no one's eating food and everyone's upset and hangry. And then they'll just throw in the towel. And I think that's the biggest problem is that when you go to these extremes, we don't find what works for us. And instead of um, actually improving our diets, we paralyze ourselves. And that's why I love what you've been doing with kind of helping people move past this. And maybe let's not focus so much on, you know, these specific nutrients or things like that, but let's just focus on how we can make little changes and improve small things um, in order to kind of get past that paralyzing fear and move into sustainable change that will actually help our families because what your family eats and what my family eats is going to be different and that's okay and they don't need to be the same, Um, but we should be kind of following generally healthy lifestyle patterns but i think that's the key is that it's it's a pattern it's not like a rigid meal plan yes exactly and i really love this idea that when you make a huge rigid change it it just can't stick and then you end up after you've demonized all these foods you end up right back where you were which is eating whatever you were that you've already demonized and said is so bad in the first place so if we can just give ourselves a little bit of grace and allow ourselves to make small changes and small, powerful, um, take small and powerful steps toward healthy, healthier options, then the changes can stick. And I really love that. So thank you for that. So what are some ways that you suggest overcoming or fighting the negative thoughts that we're constantly battling in our culture about food and enjoying a more inclusive diet? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing that I try not to do is to have food be kind of black and white. Um, And it's not that way. There's not good food and bad food. Um, And even with my own daughters, I try really hard not to use those words, right? That like this food is bad for our bodies or this food is good for our bodies. It's just, this is food. And I try and turn it back internally for them of, um, how does it make you feel when you eat this food? How about if we eat too much of this food, then how does it make us feel? And instead of saying this food is bad, it can be, Hey, when I eat too much of this food, then I don't feel very good. Or if I don't eat enough of this food, I don't feel very good. And so um, one thing that I've talked to my daughter about, like with vegetables is like vegetables are really good for our bodies because they help us go potty. And I know that's (laughs) kind of crazy, but um, when she's having, you know, some problems with constipation or things like that, I'll say, hey, do you think maybe we need to eat a few more vegetables or a few more um, things with fiber? And we'll talk about the foods that have fiber. And And then, you know, if she eats too much and she feels sick, then I'll say, oh, you know, we maybe had a little bit too much of those foods. Like we want to find the right balance for you. And so I'm trying really hard. I'm not perfect at this at all, but trying really hard to help her realize internally what foods are going to feel good for her because she, you know, might be sensitive to different foods that I'm not sensitive to or um, can handle, you know, things. I know some people do really great with high fiber and some people don't do as good with really high fiber or, you know, dairy or, you know, whatever it is, whatever food it is. But I think turning it internally and stop moralizing food, that drives me nuts when people moralize food. Um, this whole idea of clean eating is kind of a trigger for me. (laughs) I'll get so mad. Um, even at work, like when our copywriters or things like that will use the word clean, I always 
you know, I'm quick to be like, no, 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 <laughs> you can't say that word. You don't say that word. Yeah. Um, and I know it's such a hot topic and, and, you know, a lot of people use that word, but I'm, it's just really sensitive to me because I'm like, it's not, it, the food is not clean And we live in America. Dirty. All our food is clean. So yeah. it's, <laughs> we I'm clean like, it all. So don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. Stop that. And then I think it just adds that extra layer of morality. And then um, I think, you know, we talk about kids internalizing these messages of I'm a bad person if I eat this food, but we adults do it too. And oh, then yeah. all of a sudden we start internalizing these messages that, though that food isn't clean. So then I'm not clean if I eat it. So I'm dirty. Okay. I'm a bad person. And I just think it's, it's too much of a mental like spiral to go down. And so I think we need to stop moralizing food and stop saying foods are good or bad. Food is just food. <laughs> they yes. have different nutrient packages and that's about it. Yeah. And I love that. And I, I love the way that you're teaching your daughter and just think that if we all do that, what a change we can see in our culture, because I don't feel like that's the way that I was brought up, not because of my parent, how my parents parented me, but just the culture that I lived in. And I feel like as an adult, that it is a struggle to know and understand how foods affect me and not something that I maybe even think about as often as I should. Instead, I'm thinking about, you know, is this brownie too many calories, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not thinking if I overeat this brownie, it will make me feel sick. I'm just thinking about that guilt and shame that are associated with eating it. So I think that's so powerful that you're giving your daughter those cues. Um, and I do try that as well with my daughter. Um, she'll sometimes ask me, she'll be like, mom, I'm not feeling very good. Do you think I need to eat more green things? And I'm, <laughs> yes, let's go eat some more green things. <laughs> yeah. I had, um, actually this last week, this like, aha, like pat my back, um, moment with my daughter. Um, we were going up skiing and the people that we were meeting were going to be late. And so I wanted a little treat. It would have been a long day and we were nice skiing and I wanted a Diet Coke. Yes, I drink Diet Coke <laughs> and I am not ashamed to say that. Um, so I was like, you know, I just, that would be great. I just really want a Diet Coke. And so I was like, let's go and get a Diet Coke. Um, and so we, me, my husband and my daughter that were going skiing, we went to um, a local restaurant drive through to get a drink. Um, and my daughter was like, mm, I think I just want plain water. And I was just like, Jane, why do you just want plain water? Um, and she was like, well, I know that there's going to be treats up there. And I'm probably going to have some hot cocoa and some brownies and maybe some marshmallows. And I think if I have a soda too, it'll make me not feel good. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I was so happy and so proud of her because I was just like, yes, that's you know, it wasn't, you know, the numbers, it wasn't, I'm, this is bad food or this is too many calories or, you know, even this is too much sugar, like from a gram's perspective, it uh -huh. was just, I think if I eat this now, I will get sick if I eat these other things. And I would rather eat the brownies and the hot cocoa and the uh -huh. marshmallows. And I, I don't know. I just thought that I was like, man, I needed to be better about that too. Um, so I'm still, you know, learning that for myself as well, but I think it's working. Hopefully she can hold on. <laughs> I'm sure she will. That's awesome. So since we kind of started delving into the topic of sugar already, let's talk a little bit about sugar. I know you follow this all foods fit mentality, which I subscribe to too, but how do you feel like the policing of sugar? And we've kind of gotten into this a little bit already, but how does that hinder a healthy diet? Um, I think it just puts too much emphasis on one food. And I think it gives it too much power. 
um, it causes us to have too much of an emotional reaction, in my opinion. And um, I have experienced this in my own life that when you no longer restrict it, and when you can internally monitor that of like, hey, am I eating this? Does it feel good to me? Instead of externally counting grams or saying, oh, I've eaten too many sweets today or things like that based off of my calorie intake. I think um, it just, <laughs> I think it causes issues. I remember as a newlywed, my, my mom was a little bit strict with food growing up. You know, she was just doing her best trying to <laughs> feed us healthy. Um, and we didn't ever have sugary cereals. And then my husband was not that way. Um, his mom was, you know, pretty open with his food and he's a very intuitive eater. And sometimes I wonder if that has any correlation. <laughs> um, but we, he was like, I don't, I want cocoa puffs when we were going grocery shopping. And I was, we used to fight a lot about food because I was a dietitian and I used to moralize all of this food. And I used to think if my family doesn't eat whole grain pasta, I'm a bad dietitian. And, um, and I've given up on a lot of that now. And, <laughs> but I just remember I was like, okay, so he was buying cocoa puffs and I was eating cocoa puffs. Like they were going out of style, like, like literally every single day, not for breakfast, just as like a snack. I was eating cocoa puffs daily for like six months until I got to the point that I was like, okay, we're going to always have these around and I don't need to eat these anymore. Like I don't, if I want a bowl of cocoa puffs, I can have a bowl of cocoa puffs, but it was almost like compulsive. And I think that is what happens when we are really strict about sugar is we can kind of lead to these compulsive behaviors of we're not thinking internally anymore. It's just this, oh my gosh, I never get cocoa puffs. So I'm going to eat cocoa puffs while they're around. And it's kind of the scarcity thing. Um, and so now I purposely always have sugary cereals at my house and as well as healthy cereals. And so we can choose whatever we feel like that day. Um, but it's, it's given, like I've taken back that power of like, I don't feel compulsive around you anymore. I don't feel like I need to have you because you're restricted in my life. Like if I feel like having cocoa puffs, I'll have a bowl of cocoa puffs. But if I'm listening to my body, like some days, totally <laughs> I want cocoa puffs, but most days, no, like I want something that's going to make me feel more full and and help me go potty and all of these things like we talk about with my daughter. So, um, I think, you know, when we restrict it too much, I just think it leads to focusing too much on it. Yes, absolutely. And this actually reminds me of a story from, so when Megan and I were in school, we would have to follow different diets. Um, for one of our classes, we went through, you know, what a diabetic would have to eat or what somebody in kidney failure would have to eat or someone in heart failure. And those weeks were brutal. It was just, I remember the diabetic week in particular that I was like, I never want this candy bar, but dang it, they're telling me that I can't eat it and I'm going to eat it. So I think that that's totally true about sugar. And I know that I've gotten that way myself when I uh, when I try to avoid it. And more than anything, I feel like my struggles with sugar have come with having kids because people love giving kids sugar. It's like their favorite thing. And I, I mean, that's a topic for another day, but I just start to feel really triggered as, you know, I see my kid being given the like 10th item of sugar for the day. And I get frustrated that I'm like, no, I'm controlling that in my home. You have to like, stop but then again, as I want, as she asks if she can have it, it's like, uh, uh, uh I, <laughs> I don't know because you've had a whole bunch, but I don't want you to think that you can't. So it's, it's a real struggle, but 
I, I know that I just need to learn to trust her as I teach her to her and all my children, but particularly the oldest, um, as I trust her to trust her own body with sugar. And I think that's a lot of it stems from maybe me not trusting myself around sugar. So I just like project that on her. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is way hard to trust them because sometimes they do eat like so much sugar and, um, <laughs> but I think it's those moments that they don't, that you can, you can, you can start see to the realize, glimmer of hope for that. Yeah, yes. You can start to realize like, oh, maybe they really can police this themselves a little bit and just listen to their bodies and eat what they want. But um, I think, you know, the caveat with that is that if sugar is the only thing that's available, then of course that's what they're going to eat. And so I always tell people like, don't give sugar power, like don't focus on it. Don't worry a ton about it, but also like make sure that there's other options. Right. <laughs> and so um, I think that's kind of the best thing that you can do as a parent. And sometimes they probably will eat way too much sugar, but I feel like the best learning experience is like when they have a tummy ache and yep. they, <laughs> yeah. Like the best learning experience is when they get hurt, unfortunately, like not hurt, hurt, but right. You know, it's, it's that thing of like, I'm going to learn from a negative experience. And so I think sometimes it's just letting them have those negative experiences. Yes. And absolutely. I do agree with what you said, where we do live in this world where it will particularly with kids I don't know why it's like sugar for kids is like the best thing ever and then you become an adult and it's all of a sudden the worst thing ever but that's the world that we live in um (laughs) I completely agree that you should keep healthy whole food options available for your kids as snacks and that's what you should offer as a general rule and that way you can hopefully let go a little bit more especially around other people and situations that are a little bit out of your control because you are. And when I say controlling, I just mean you control what is offered to your kids in your house, not controlling as in controlling what your kids eat, et cetera. So I think those are great tips and it's definitely a hot, tricky issue to try and navigate as a parent. Uh, On a similar note, I personally find a struggle or I personally struggle finding the right balance between Avoiding the diet mentality that we've talked about, you know, restricting foods, etc. But I also do want to make and set goals and make changes for our family and for myself in a way that is not damaging. So how do you suggest, and I know my leader, I know my listeners will be really interested in this. How do you suggest starting out on a journey to better health that in a way that is safe and actually healthy for your mind and your body. Yeah. Um, So actually, we just started um, beta testing a program at work um, that we internally called Tiny Habits, but I don't know what we're going to call it when it launches. So we did it internally with employees, and um, we're hoping to offer it externally soon. Um, But basically what we did is we wanted to help users with just this, right? Of like, how do you make or how do you make sustainable healthy changes that can fit with your diet or your preferences, your family, your budget, all of these things. And so we built this, um, this journey of basically tiny habits. And the first thing that we have someone do is to eat two servings of vegetables at lunch. And that is all that they focus on. And that is all they do for a little while. And then we build from there. But I think, um, the easiest way to do it is to pick something really small that you know, that you could be doing better at and just focus on that until it becomes a habit. Um, and it can be really small. Like it can be 
surprisingly powerful to just do those things. Like, um, we had employees that we worked on things like this for over the course of a year. Um, and there was 30 tiny habits that we worked on, but one of them was just eating two servings of vegetables at lunch. And we tried really hard not to have anything be restrictive or off limits or anything like that. Just adding, like, let's focus on more vegetables more fruit, more whole grains without demonizing food or saying you can't have this or anything like that. And it was amazing to see the impact that these people felt after a year. They were like, I did not think that this was going to work because they're like, it seemed way too simple. And I think a lot of times we think with nutrition, I've got to do this big overhaul, right? That like, I'm going to change everything I am eating. My grocery bill is going to be totally different. Um, we're going to just eat kale salads every night for dinner. And it's just not usually sustainable or realistic to do that. And so I think the, the way that I kind of come at it is I know right now there's this huge divide about, you know, weight centric versus health at every size diet versus lifestyle versus total intuitive eating. And, and I kind of find myself trying to find this balance as well. And I think it's a little bit hard, but I think what I come down to is is that we should listen to our bodies and feel, you know, do what we feel is good and what's feeling good for us and what isn't causing any mental gymnastics in our minds. <laughs> um, but also we can still set goals and they can still be healthy and sustainable goals. And so, um, one that I try and work on and I'm not perfect at is I try to get six servings of vegetables a day and that's kind of a lot, <laughs> but, um, that's one of my little goals. And I try to drink enough water. Those have been the two things that I focus on after having a baby, because it is so hard not to jump on a bandwagon right after having a baby. Oh my I, gosh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you just, you don't feel like yourself and you're not sleeping. So you're not thinking very well. And, and you're like, just, I'm trying to lose weight, but I'm not sleeping. So my body doesn't even know how to lose. <laughs> yes. I, and you're, you know, you're so tired that you're just like, I just want caffeine and sugar to give me the energy to get through this day and this night, and then the next day. And I think it's so easy to just jump on that bandwagon um, and be like, okay, yeah, we're going to do Whole30. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, it's just not realistic. I've tried it. I've done it. It's been there. And it's the, the thing that I always come back to is just, you've got to do what works for you. And you just set a few goals and focus on those goals and, um, and make them sustainable and and workable for you. And so if that's eating two servings of vegetables at lunch, great. And if those two servings of vegetables are canned or frozen, awesome. Who cares? If those two servings of vegetables are some baby carrots and cucumbers on the side of a Big Mac, awesome. Like, I don't care. You know, like it's, um, just focus on the positive and kind of let the other things fall into place until that becomes just so second nature that it's easy and you don't even think about it anymore. It's just a habit and then move on to the next thing. Yes. And by adding things, instead of restricting, you are setting yourself up to be a winner every time. No longer are you feeling the guilt and shame because you ate that cookie that you weren't supposed to eat or because you're still drinking Coke or whatever. And the cool thing about tiny habits and particularly by adding good things to your diet is that naturally the other things are going to fall out. Mm -hmm. 
but that's not, it doesn't matter, right? Like you succeeded whether or not they did, but you can only eat so much. Your body only fits so much. So naturally you'll start to find yourself making better choices and you can think of yourself as a winner instead of that constant failure mentality that the diet industry in particular And let's just point out that they are trying to make money and they want you to think that you're failing and that it's your fault, not whatever unrealistic program that they gave you is fault, but it's not your fault. (laughs) So I love the idea of adding. And I think that's such, I mean, I want to use that more in my life as I start, as I try to make nutritious changes. I've actually never even thought about it being like a built in reward system. (laughs) That's funny. I just always been like, it's going to work because like, you're not focusing on restriction and you don't have that, um, you know, that desire to like binge on those foods anymore. But yeah, yeah. If you're adding, then you can always win. I've never even thought about that. That's a great point. Love that. So, um, and I will watch out and if, and when that program goes live, <laughs> we'll go ahead and share that with all of you. Cause yes, yes. I think oh, everyone okay. will love that. It won't go live. <laughs> I know. I know the feeling of how long, just so you all know, anything we create for you takes a really long time. So, um, okay. So how do you think that our expectations, um, specifically regarding diets, um, inhibit our success in health and nutrition and how can we shift our expectations for longer lasting success? Um, yeah. So I think the expectation, I think oftentimes, whenever I hear that, I think of weight and I think that's probably just kind of the territory with where I work. And I spend a lot of my time and stuff like that is people focus a lot on numbers and specifically the number on the scale, but also, you know, the number of grams of carbs or protein or whatever. Um, and I think we are focusing so much on those things that we forget to look out for the other positives that are happening. And oftentimes I think those other positives can be way more powerful, um, than just, the weight loss, right? That, um, because you might be feeling so much better when we did, um, that program internally with some of our employees, some of them lost weight and some of them didn't because we didn't change how many calories they were eating. We just changed their diet quality, not their Uh quantity. Um, and, but even the ones that didn't lose weight, like when I was like, yeah, but how are you feeling? They were so ecstatic by the end of it because they were just like, I feel amazing. Like I don't have to get to like use energy drinks to, to get through the day anymore. I'm sleeping better, like all of these things. And I think a lot of times we, we focus so much on, on the scale or on specific numbers or things like that, even, even like lab values or that we forget to kind of turn it back in and ask ourselves, like, how are we feeling? What are these other measures of success? Like, are you more energized? Are you less cranky? Like, yes, <laughs> because when you're not eating enough, you're cranky. (laughs) Yes. And just to like put this into perspective for all of you, I'm just going to share personal numbers that don't matter, but I have been working out consistently since like last May. And I mean, my diet hasn't changed a lot, but it's my normal, generally healthy diet guys every day, like 60 to 90 minutes. And I have maybe lost like three pounds And I'm not saying that to frustrate you. I'm saying that it absolutely does not matter because I feel awesome and I have tons of energy and I like suddenly things don't hurt anymore that I was like, oh, like I'm just getting old. Like that hurts. And I'm like, oh, turns out that's not like a normal part of aging. Like you can avoid that. (laughs) 
And so, yes, and I totally had that expectation where I was like, but, oh, man, like, I really wanted that number to drop. And I still wish that number would drop, but it totally doesn't matter. And I know that that's like all of those outside voices making that matter. And it doesn't matter for me. So next time you see like someone that dropped like 30 pounds supposedly in a month, know that they, it's probably not true. And they probably don't feel very good either. So (laughs) it takes time and it doesn't really matter. So take the numbers. The numbers really aren't in your control. So focus on something that you can control. So I love that. Okay, so this is a question that I've asked a lot of my guests, but what does a complete meal look like to you and how does that differ to what most people think and expect a complete meal would look like? Um, Yeah, so I think I hear a lot of, you know, expectations, especially from dietitians of people thinking like, oh, well, you just always eat so healthy. In fact, I was at a party um, like a couple of weeks ago and somebody was like, you're eating carbs. And I was, <laughs> I, I barely know this person. I was like, uh, y- yes. <laughs> Why? Why are you asking that? They're like, but aren't you a dietitian? I didn't think dietitians ate carbs. And I was like, what? No. In fact, I love carbs and I eat tons of carbs and yes, I'm eating carbs as I scoop up more pasta salad. Thank you. Um, but I think a lot of people expect that you know, especially as a dietitian that I eat this very, um, rigid diet and I don't. So a normal meal for me probably looks like a normal meal for most of your listeners, plus a few extra veggies. Like, honestly, (laughs) I eat mac and cheese and cucumbers and I, you know, like I eat regular, I love hamburgers and pizza and all of that kind of stuff. I just, I eat the normal normal cuisine and things like that. I just also try to eat a few more veggies with it. So for me, a complete meal is something that tastes yummy and is satisfying um, and includes some vegetables. I love that. And I, I think that that is, that's one thing that I'm always suggesting too, just as you do your meal plan for the weeks, it's just like the easiest way to me to up-level your nutrition, I guess, is to just make sure each of those meals breakfast, lunch, and dinner has a fruit or vegetable. And especially breakfast, people have a hard time with that, but there's so many ways, um, fruit and veggies in your smoothies or fruit and veggie or not fruit, but veggies on your eggs or omelets. Lunch is pretty easy. You know, you can like add a salad or eat a salad. And generally I feel like most people do have a veggie with their dinner. So once you've done that, you're like at three servings a day, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I don't know what the average is, but probably about as good or better than the average just by adding <laughs> one thing to each of your meals. Yeah, I think I looked up the average actually recently for some weird reason. I don't know why, but I think the average is one serving of vegetables a day. There you go. You're like way winning uh-huh. by doing it at every meal. Yeah. And it's easy. So anyway, so... Thank you so much for all of this advice. And I think it's been really awesome to think about food in a way that is exciting and pleasurable and think about making changes that empower us to feel better and be better and not feel that guilt. So if my audience takes just one piece of advice from this episode on treating their bodies with gentle nutrition, what would that advice be? Um, not to, I, I, so I would say not to restrict and to eat what you enjoy, but 
set a few goals. Like just because you want to enjoy your food doesn't mean that it can't be healthy. Healthy food can be super delicious. Um, but it also doesn't mean that you have to restrict to eat healthy. So I think that's my biggest message is that healthy eating can be enjoyable and it doesn't have to be restrictive. Yes. I love that. I really love because just like we have all these negative messages about, um, about dieting, there also is that untrue negative connotation that healthy food is yucky or you eat it because you have to or because it's good for you. Your fruits and veggies, I mean, I don't want you guys eating anything that doesn't taste good. That's like, I don't eat anything that doesn't taste good. So make your food taste good, which hopefully I can give you tips on making that happen. But I really love that advice. And stop restricting. Go eat a cookie or something right now and make a vow to stop restricting. <laughs> Anyway, thank you so much, Megan. Um, so where can my audience go if they want to hear more from you? I know that you have recipes, etc. So where can they get all of that? Yeah. So if they want kind of some of the work stuff that I do, it's on our blog for iFit. It's just um, ifit.blog.com. Um, and that has recipes and some um, blog posts and things like that. Or Instagram is kind of where I keep it a little bit more real and less professional. And I show kind of really like what I as a dietitian am eating and feeding my family. Um, and I try and keep it pretty realistic. <laughs> so <laughs> as real as you can on Instagram. So yes. <laughs> I will go ahead and link in the show notes. Uh, it's at Megan, Jane, Megan Jane's plate, right yes. on yep. Instagram. And I'll include a link to the website as well. I know she has put a lot of work into developing some tasty and delicious recipes that would all be great fits to add to your diet. I hope you loved listening to that interview with Megan as much as I enjoyed interviewing her. I hope that you have some goals and actionable tips that you can start to implement in your own life to up-level your nutrition a little bit in a way that is healthy for your mind as well as your body. Next week, I'm shifting just a little bit with all the wild and crazy going on in today's world, I wanted to share a little bit about our routine and block scheduling for a young family. So I will be sharing all about that next week. Thanks so much for joining. Happy cooking and happy planning. 